0: Welcome back, Sportsnet today, here on Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd. My guy Dan Riccio here as well. Another hour of the show. Text in 650, 650. It is the Dunbar Lumber. Text line Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Um,. We talked a lot of hockey in the first hour. Talked to IMAC. Talked a little bit about the Canucks. You can keep getting your text in on that. But uh, it's a very, very big day in the sporting world, Reach. A yeah. milestone day. The uh, wait is over. The NFL season begins tonight.
1: Yeah, your, uh, your fantasy drafts are done. I finished yes. my last one last night. I'm very disappointed that I have zero shares of Anthony Richardson. Um, but... Today it starts. Chiefs are at home to the Detroit Motor City Lions. Here's what I can't figure out, Jamie. All right. Why are the Chiefs only a
0: four-point favorite? Like, uh, okay. I can tell you. Okay. Because if – and it's an open question. You know, yeah. the owners out there saying Travis Kelsey questionable might be able to go. Yeah. But if yeah. Travis Kelsey's out, we know yeah. Chris Jones isn't isn't in. Yeah. How many Pro Bowl caliber players, if that's the case, do the Kansas City Chiefs have on their roster? Um, one Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes <laughs> yeah <laughs> have you seen the wide receiver room I think it's a it's a testament to how much respect we have for Patrick Mahomes yeah and Andy Reid that they're more than three-point favorites so with the rest of that roster that they're thrown out there right now
1: you're not overly enthused with uh Kadarius Tony who's <laughs> always injured yeah uh, Marquez, Valdez, Valdez Scantling, Scantling, and Sky Moore. Not ready for the Sky Moore break three.
0: Yeah, and then like Noah Gray at tight end. Here's the, the thing.
1: It doesn't matter. They've got Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Look, I would still pick them to win, no doubt. Okay. If I'm getting Patrick Mahomes as less than a touchdown favorite at home against any team that isn't the Buffalo Bills, I'm probably taking it. Patrick Mahomes should never be less than a touchdown favorite at home against a mediocre football team. And I know everybody's jumping on the Detroit Lions as if they're like this unreal team and they're finally ready to break out. Detroit's not even going to win their division. So let's chill on that. And they were like the worst defense in the league last year. They had out, one guy on defense. Outside to
0: stop Patrick Mahomes? Outside of the quarterback position, who has more talent on the roster. It's not even close. It's the Detroit Lions. It's not even close. You're, you're underrating
1: the Chiefs defense. Even like Chiefs defense is pretty good, even without Chris Jones.
0: I don't know. Without Chris Jones would make me very, very, very <laughs> nervous. Look, I will say. Lions have Aiden Hutchinson on D, and that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, there we go. More, more talent than the Chiefs have on, uh, on D tonight. I am fascinated. I actually think one of the most interesting storylines in the NFL this year, in a way, is the Chiefs wide receiver room. Right, okay. Because there's a lot of guys where, like, Kadarius Tony didn't matter last year so much. No, it didn't. But like, Kadarius Tony could be a really interesting player. You yes. know what I mean? There's guys that have traits. There's guys that, you know, if you talk to the, the draft Twitter sickos, they're like, yeah. like, oh, Sky Moore, yeah, really liked him coming out of wherever. There's guys who could succeed. It's just so many unknowns and so many question marks. But if there's ever two people to bet on making it work, It's Patrick Mahomes and it's Andy Reid. And, you know, it's even going to be more fascinating tonight because I think in a normal week, Travis Kelsey is going to see, what, like 15 targets a game Mm -hmm. with the the rest of the receiving core, how it is? If that's not an option tonight, the way they design the attack and the way they try to go after the Lions, how they spread the targets around, who's the feature guy, how they try to get all all these guys in space, it's going to be fascinating. Like, I, I think that's legit one of the things I'm most interested to watch in the early part of the NFL season. Um The thing about it, though, is and uh, maybe
1: this is too chalky for some and maybe I'm looking at it too simply, but the Chiefs are the new Patriots where you go into every season and they are the Super Bowl favorite Mm -hmm. and there's not really too much otherwise to debate. I go into this season and I see all the question marks about the Kansas City Chiefs and it's like, yeah, that's cool, but they've
0: got. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. so I'm good.
1: <laughs> you know, there's still my
0: still my Super Bowl pick. It's a good comparison because again, it's you know it was Brady Belichick, yeah, and it wasn't just a really good quarterback and a really good coach. It was the perfect fit between the two, right? Yes, like they were on the same page at least in terms of what they were doing on the field. Maybe it you know the relationship uh, struggled a little bit towards the end. Of their time together in New England, but it was it was the perfect match between a, a quarterback and a coach who knew how to get the most out of him, knew how to put him in a position to succeed, and I think that's what you have in Kansas City. And the rest well.
2: of the parts are interchangeable,
0: a lot to a very large degree, right? And we've seen the Chiefs even embrace that by you know moving on from Tyreek Hill. Like, yeah. all right, hey, we got Patrick Mahomes. We're gonna he, guess what? He's still gonna throw for four thousand
2: yards and yeah. forty touchdowns even without Tyreek Hill. And the Patriots couldn't always rely on Gronk being healthy. And you're yeah. talking about Kelsey's health. It's, I mean, it, it is
1: how great teams go about doing it, right? And, you know, they lost Eric Bien-Aimé, um, who was their star offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. He's now with Washington. So we'll see if that plays a factor through the course of the year. But, like, we've just never really seen a player like Patrick Mahomes. Like, he's just so incredibly freakishly talented. And, yes, we are in the era of maybe the best Quarterback landscape in NFL history, but even the most, even the biggest Josh Allen supporter would say he's maybe the only guy even close to Mahomes's tier. And then you got a bunch of. Maybe's with Jalen Hurts, wanna see it again. You wanna see it with Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, uh you knocking to, on the door. Like Joe Burrow's doing it a bunch and up until last year's playoffs had never lost a game to mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes. So there's there's definitely more in the quarterback landscape that's going up against Patrick Mahomes,
0: but he's still proven to be a well, guy that's I in think his own tier. That's the thing though, is if you are kind of penciling them into the Super Bowl it's not just the league quarterback situation like all those guys with the exception of Jalen Hurts that we just named are in the AFC yeah you know what I mean like you could easily be looking at a a road to the playoffs through the AFC where if you're some team that you know is in the wild card game that you're like we have to play Justin Herbert and then Joe Burrow and then Patrick Mahomes to get to the playoffs (laughs) that's a totally feasible situation there the depth of quarterback You know, you talk about could Trevor Lawrence have a breakout season? this year? like Lamar Jackson, former MVP, still an incredibly good player. There's Aaron Rodgers is in the AFC this year. There's so much talent at that position that that's my only hesitation from kind of just giving the Chiefs the Super Bowl berth right off the bat is if they were in the NFC, you'd look at it and say, you know what? Mahomes and Reed, probably enough to skate through the NFC and get them there. They're going to have to beat some really good teams and some really good quarterbacks in the AFC, which I think is the big difference for those two guys.
1: So the NFC North, which is where the Detroit Lions lie and sit as a favorite, maybe a co-favorite with the Minnesota Vikings, Mm -hmm. depending on where you're looking and how you're, you're shaping it up. I still have an incredible amount of discomfort thinking about the Detroit Lions as any kind of remote favorite. You know, they're just not that team. They've never been in my lifetime. You're biased against the Lions, is what you're saying. And I totally am the type of person that feels like, you know, being a favorite factors in. Like, if you look at teams in the NFL, like, there's often times where... um, uh, a bad team is ha- is off to a good start in the season and they're beating the spread a bunch. And then all of a sudden, oh, Vegas puts them as a favorite and then they lie flat on their face. It happens so often. And I feel like the Lions are that this year where they got so much love last yep. year. They really impressed. And for good reason, they did some good things. And Dan Campbell was doing some good things. But they started the season so badly and the defense was terrible. There's still a lot of question marks I have about this team before I'm
0: just saying, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're going to win, the, win the NFC North no matter what. There's especially something about being the favorite when you haven't accomplished anything yet, yes. right? You know what I mean? That's the most dangerous time. It's one thing if you're a traditionally good team. Right. All you've we've we've...
1: accomplished is having a strong finish to the season.
0: <laughs> yeah, and your coach being fun. Have we your never watched the a, Vancouver Canucks a good before? quote. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's going to carry over. Of course it is. <laughs> but that's quite, the question with Dan Campbell I have is... It's one thing I think to kind of build that underdog mentality and get your guys, you know, just to buy in and work hard, and, hey, we're going to change the culture. Winning games is a different skill than that. You know what I mean? Like, when actually executing in close games, outthinking the other coach, winning the scheme battle, all of those things. That's a completely different skill set, and that hasn't necessarily, necessarily been tested in Dan Campbell. It's going to be tested tonight, right? But these are the kind of games that they're going to have to be competitive in if they are going to win that uh, that North division. Uh, do we want to run through some some bold predictions? Let's do it. Now, do you have any just, like, freestanding, freelance Predictions here? Do you want to go category Um, by category? Let's go with category. Okay, I I want to start with one. That's just kind of neither here nor there. But it was a text in as well. I'm trying to find uh, the text when we asked for it. Oh, it comes from Matt, and he says his NFL hot take: uh, Jets will miss the playoffs, and then Aaron Rodgers retires. That's mine as well. (laughs) Jets. I don't know about the retiring part, but Jets to miss the playoffs. Oh man, the I don't know about a lock. People acted like they had already won the Super Bowl when they traded for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it's like they might be the third best team in their division. Yeah, that division is really good. Yes, like I like Miami, Buffalo. I think is going to be really good again. I ran through the list of quarterbacks who are a lot younger than Aaron Rodgers in the AFC. That he's going, he's going to have to finish better than one of those quarterbacks we listed in order to make the playoffs. And okay, you can say, oh, well, they had such a good defense. Defense can vary a lot from year to year. You know, they got Garrett Wilson. Oh, it's going to be instant chemistry. Is it? Or is Aaron Rodgers going to be trying to force the ball to Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb because they're his guys from Green Bay? No, seriously. Like, there, there are major question marks. I don't think it's as simple as, oh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be classic Aaron Rodgers and they're going to go, you know, 13-4. and four. There's some major question marks for that Jets team. That, that's my bold prediction as well. Aaron Rodgers to miss the playoffs.
1: I don't think Rodgers is going to... Oh, people are, are looking at it like, well, when Manning went to the Broncos, it happened. When Brady went to mm-hmm. the Bucks, it happened. So naturally, Rodgers is of that ilk. He has been in that conversation of greatest quarterback of the last bunch of years. And he moves from the Packers to the Jets. It's going to happen just like it did with Brady before him and with Manning before him. But I just... I don't know if the Jets are setting up to have Rodgers be this guy who throws 40-plus times a game and wants to throw for 50 touchdowns plus or whatever it might be. They want to play some smash-mouth football, and they hope to win a lot of games on the defensive side of the ball because that's where most of their talent still is. They've got some pieces on offense, but... I'm just not entirely sure we're going to see Aaron Rodgers be an MVP like Brady was with the Bucs and 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 Peyton. Manning Manning was with the. the, I
0: think the other thing is, you know, and you were kind of alluding to this with the Lions, you just got to factor in like the Jets factor. They're the Jets. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So there's probably something that's going to go wrong. It's probably not going to work. Brett Favre
2: almost did it with the Jets. And the same goes for the Lions. Exactly.
0: They're the Lions. It's like, what's your expert level analysis of why they're not going to win the division? I don't know. They're the Lions. Their name. (laughs) Uh, Marcus and Gibson's Broncos are going to have a better record than the Jets. It's a spicy one. I like that. The Broncos uh, are so interesting. Yes. Like the Sean Payton is not being shy at all with his feelings. Mm-hmm. We, you know the Nathaniel Hackett thing, but also like the reporting you're hearing about the message he sent to Russ, which is basically shut up and play football. Yeah, don't don't do all this other stuff. You're not trying to win elected office. You're supposed to be a quarterback. Nobody, think,
1: wa- like th- after last season and the contract you signed, nobody wants to hear you say, no. let's ride. Okay.
0: <laughs> Just stop Literally nobody. Stop talking. <laughs> but like, he's right. Sean Payton is right. It's yeah. going to be so interesting to see if Russell Wilson can receive that message. I don't know that situation. Like if you told me they go, you know. Fourteen and three and win the division versus if you told me they go like two and fifteen, I could see either one. You know what I mean? Like I could see it just completely blowing up and being a disaster, or it working out somehow.
1: I have uh, okay. So you you spurred out a, a bit of a I don't know if it's a bold prediction. The Broncos are going to be much better this year, and it's going to have nothing to do with Russell Wilson.
0: I think that could be hundred percent accurate, <laughs> right? Like well, same thing you said about Aaron Rodgers in yeah. New York, okay, if they have they have talent elsewhere on that roster... They've got a really good defense, even after losing Chubb and some other guys. Change the identity of that team so it's not, you know, let Russ cook. It's yep. Russ manage the game. Almost like back to the roots of his Seahawks days, right? Manage the game and let the other... Put the other talent in a position to succeed and, you know, <laughs> the coaching upgrade going from, as Sean Payton said, the worst coaching job in NFL history to Super Bowl winner Sean Payton. Yes. If, if Russell Wilson can just manage the game... That should be pretty significant for them. For years, Russ wanted
1: out of Seattle because he wanted <laughs> to throw the ball more and he wanted to, he felt he was an MVP caliber quarterback and it was just the the way the offense yep. was lined up that it was holding him back. And now he's moved to the Broncos. and They put the keys, to, they gave him the keys to the car. They gave him the keys to the city. He sucked. And he drove it off a cliff. And now it's like, okay, we're just going to play smash mouth Sorry. football, Russ. Thanks. <laughs> This is how we're gonna win games.
0: I wonder if Pete Carroll is just texting Sean Payton. <laughs> How's that going? Let's How's that working out, out, buddy?
1: The only way you're gonna win is if uh is if you have Russ be not the guy. Um but the Broncos, like I think they, they might have a better season. It's hard to be worse than they were last year. All right. And still have Russ uh
0: not be very I'll good. I'll tee you up here. So bold prediction. I don't know how bold it is, but M V P prediction. Well, make, make your pick.
1: Uh I'm gonna go with okay, so I had two picks. The bolder one is Trevor Lawrence, and it That's
2: was a almost, good one. It's a good it was a good one.
1: It was almost too bold that I felt uh, I, I wanted to walk it back, and I, I ended up putting Josh Allen into the uh, the little uh, document that we have together here. But Josh Allen's an obvious one. Okay, there's two quarterbacks in the history of the league that have thrown for over four thousand yards and rushed for seven hundred. One is Cam Newton, the other is Josh Allen, and he's done it in back-to-back seasons. This year, I think the the Bills are even more evolved. You know, they're going to have a a more healthy Gabe Davis. Obviously, the connection with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs is still very big. They've added on offense. I think they're going to be a really good football team, as we know. And Josh Allen is really going to have that ascension to being the MVP of the league. But. The argument I had for Trevor Lawrence is, well, they're the Jaguars, and they're kind of in the same line of the Jets and the Lions, Well, we're not supposed to believe in the Jaguars. But if you look at the way, once he got the handle of Frank Reich's offense, once he got the handle, or sorry, Doug Peterson's offense, he really took a step at the end of last year. And they add Calvin Ridley. They have a much better offense. They look like a more cohesive football team since they added Doug Peterson. And we've always known Trevor Lawrence to be this type of a talent that we expected him to be in that next rung of quarterbacks to come in the NFL. And I just feel like this is another year where he takes a step. The Jags. In that division, could win twelve to thirteen mm-hmm. games, mm-hmm. have a first round bye. Generally, if you are going to be an MVP candidate, you have to be on a team that gets a first round by. I can see the pathway to the Jaguars having that because of their division. So, you know, that would be my real bold prediction would be
0: uh, would be Trevor Lawrence for MVP. I. So I think I don't know but if this can be enough for MVP but in terms of breakout going to the next level. Yeah I, I I think people are sleeping on Trevor Lawrence. I think people are we're going to be listing him in the Joe Burrow yeah. Josh Allen you know Justin Herbert conversation as AFC elite AFC quarterbacks after this season, so somebody texted in here, unsigned, bold MVP take Justin Herbert. That's one of mine too. I kind of I'm hedging, and I have two as well. But I'll start with Herbert, and you know we went through, as we're running through sad sack cursed NFL franchises oh here. God. We may as well catch the Chargers, who every year the look argument- like a Super Bowl contender on paper, and then just completely. You know what themselves when I, it comes time to do it.
1: I used to be that guy. You know, I, I thought the uh <laughs> the, the Chargers with the Carolina Hurricanes of the NFL were like
0: Eventually it'll e- happen. Eventually yeah.
1: it's just going to come together.
0: But you know what? It's, it's a regular to season award. Okay. Yep. They have the talent there. You talk to, you know, the people who like again, the, the tape evaluators, the guys grinding the tape, the talent that Justin Herbert has and the ways maybe it's been held back by the offensive scheme recently in LA. Now was with like Kellen broken Moore. Ribs last year. Yeah. Now with Kellen Moore coming in, I think you combine that with the talent they do have on offense, the ability to have a good record. Look you go through all these lists of quarterbacks we're talking about. It's almost like picking names out of a hat. Who's going to pop this year? Whose team is going to get those extra couple of close wins to give them the buy? Who's going to put themselves in a position? I think at some point, Justin Herbert's going to have a monster year. He's going to have an MVP type campaign. I'm going to pick it to be this season. The other name that, and I don't know if it's, if it's not bold enough because he's a former MVP or it's too bold or what it is. But the name I was thinking about was Lamar Jackson. Like I think people have kind of forgot how good a player he yeah. can be. And that's another situation where new offensive scheme coming in. The other thing with Lamar Jackson is if the Ravens are good, if the Ravens play themselves into a first round by win their division, he's going to get all of the credit. Like he is so far and away their best player. Yeah. Mark Andrews, they have other guys that are good, but he is the Ravens offense, yeah. right? He is the straw that stirs the drink. And I think if he has another season akin to what he did, in his MVP year, where he's just a really good passer and so dominant on the ground, puts so much pressure on the opposing defense at all times. Like, I think he has a chance to do it again just because he's in that situation where the offense runs through him. If they're good, it's going to be because he is exceptional. Lamar Jackson, I don't know if he's being
1: slept on so much, but. Yeah, we've already seen him win MVP. Yeah. And and, and we're always kind of big fans of the Ravens. We know that they're one of the programs in the NFL mm -hmm, that you mm -hmm. can trust. They got a new offensive coordinator. One of their rookie receivers is going to hit. Zay Flowers or Rashad Bateman, one of them is going to hit this year. I'm just not sure which one it is going to be, and that's going to help out Lamar Jackson tremendously.
0: I just don't know if, okay, you can say, well, it's not that bold because he's already won MVP. Is it more difficult to win the second one, though? You know what I mean? Because it's kind of like, yeah, well, we saw that season once. Show us something new, right? Is it more difficult for him to win the second one? That's what kind of uh, gave me a little bit of pause picking him. Marcus and Gibson's text in bold prediction for MVP. Christian McCaffrey in San Francisco stays healthy, gets 1,000 yards on the ground, 750 yards receiving. That's from Marcus in Gibson's. So that's a good transition into uh, offensive player of the year. Yeah. Also, because I think which is the
1: award for non-quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah.
0: Best non-quarterback.
1: <laughs> best non-quarterback. Because we know a non-quarter like a quarterback is going to win the MVP yeah, every year. We 100%. have to have an award for the best non-quarterback. This is like the uh,
2: it's the we Ted need- Lindsay of the NFL. Yeah,
1: it's the Ted Lindsay of the NFL. It's the uh, you need to have. A trophy for defensemen that is about defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, <laughs> it's like the
0: Pitcher can't win MVP in baseball. It's like, yes. oh, they have the Cy Young, right? It's yeah. Like, yeah. Um, Kirsten McCaffrey, he's going to be in the running for Offensive Player of the Year. Not my pick, not my bold prediction, just because. We know they like to spread the ball around. Yeah, right. And he's going to be on a per play basis, on a per touch basis. He's going to be phenomenal. Is he going to have the volume, even if he's healthy for all 17 games, which is a totally fair question to ask, given his history, his age, all that. Is he going to have the volume of touches in that system to challenge some of the other players in the category? My pick for offensive player of the year and has nothing to do with him being my, uh, my first round selection in the six fifty fantasy football league. Uh, I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley. Wow. So, cause what I'm looking for Lots here is an offense that could be decent, but doesn't have a quarterback. Who's going to steal all the hype. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Daniel Jones is like good enough to lead a good offense but not great. They have Darren Waller there, but you look at the rest of their pass-catching situation, it's not fantastic. They're going to ask Saquon Barkley to do a lot as a runner. They're going to ask him to do a lot as a receiver. We know he has that type of talent. I think the offense could be just good enough, but he's going to be one of those unique players where he gets the credit, not the quarterback. I think he's got a chance to do it this year.
1: He's one of the few guys that could get you know 15-plus carries but also eight targets in yep. a game. You know, he's gonna get a lot of touches and that's, you know, how do running backs ever find value again in the league? Well, the one that does have value is Christian McCaffrey as Mm -hmm. uh, the San Francisco 49ers proved with the contract they gave him and more guys want to be that they want to be the everything the Swiss army knife can catch passes out of the backfield can line up as a wide receiver can do everything as a quote unquote running back. Saquon Barkley is that I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill. He's a freak. He is. He, he keeps saying he's gonna, you know, get over two thousand yards this year receiving. And what I love about the Dolphins' offense, if you see the way that they sort of run it with Mike McDaniel, um, they literally like every pass, that, every time Tua is gonna go back to pass, it's either going to Tyree Hill or Jalen Waddle. Waddle. If that doesn't happen, something something wrong. <laughs> like something went wrong. You know, <laughs> if they're passing to Mike Gesicki, something went wrong. Now, if they're passing to Raheem Mostert, something went wrong. They only want to pass to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. And that's why I could see Tyree Kill getting over 2,000 yards this year. If you look at the games, the nine games that uh, the, the Dolphins had with Tua Tungavaloa healthy last year, mm-hmm. they were really good. And he was really good. And Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle both ate. And I think uh, Tyree Kill, this could be his best season
0: yet in the NFL. The speed combination yeah. on the outside there and coupled with McDaniel's ability to scheme them both open, even though, as you said, everyone knows like that's who they're thrown to. They want to throw to one of those guys and yet... At least one of them is open, if not both of them is open on it, seems like, every play And Tua. I think his ceiling as a quarterback is still in question, but his ability to function in that kind of system where yeah. it's just, hey, hit these really fast guys in stride and then let them make a move, let them take it to the house. He We're going to scheme that. these
1: guys in open yeah. field, and they're going to get all the yards after the catch that they can possibly get. Yeah, exactly. It worked last year. Uh, my final bold prediction um, is the Cowboys winning the NFC.
0: I don't know. Oh, how, I, don't know right. I don't know how bold that is, but it's the Cowboys. So, so you've moved on from uh, putting your faith in the Chargers and being disappointed every year to putting your faith in the Cowboys and being disappointed. Yeah,
1: and as much, I, I, and it's going against uh, so much of my hatred for Mike McCarthy, who I think <laughs> is just not a good enough NFL coach and it will ultimately be Hatred my downfall. Is a strong word. <laughs> with this uh, with this prediction when when somebody's cost you enough money, you start to really dislike them. Um Dallas Cowboys to win the NFC. And a lot of it has to do with their defense more than anything else. Yep. Uh, you know, I I'm willing to bet on a Dak Prescott bounce back. I think he's he's got a lot more talent than he showed last year. The offense is going to be fine. They've got enough pieces, Pollard and CeeDee Lamb and they add Brandon Cooks. Like they've got pieces but Micah Parsons is just going to be an absolute monster this year I mean he's already been an absolute monster for his NFL career but I I think this is the year you know we've said Aaron Donald is by far and away the best defensive player in football I think uh, this might be the year that Micah Parsons starts to take that mantle away from Aaron Donald and that's going to help the Cowboys do a lot of damage this year and
0: they'll be your NFC champion Wow, you heard it here first. What could possibly go wrong with the Dallas Cowboys and playoff Mike expectations? McCarthy. That's, that's <laughs> what could go wrong. Yeah, Jerry Jones somehow well, you wouldn't <laughs> think an owner could screw it up at that point, but yes. if there's one who could, it's Jerry Jones. Um 650 650 Dunbar Lumber text line. Keep your thoughts coming in. Bold takes on the NFL season. Uh we'll go around. The World of Sports. Talk a little Canada basketball. Uh Jay is getting ready for a big series with the Texas Rangers as the the AL wildcard race continues to be very very entertaining. I want to talk about a big contract handed out in the yes. NHL this season as well. So lots to get into. Final segment of the show coming up here. Sportsnet today. Sportsnet six fifty. <laughs> Welcome back. Sportsnet Today here. Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Dan Reggio. Final segment of the show. Uh, we will be on together tomorrow. Noon to two. So slightly different time tomorrow. Make sure you set your alarms uh, for that one. Uh, I'm guessing we're, we're all back to our normal schedule. Just a little kind of, I don't know what, what this week is. Exactly, talk but and, uh, yeah, Central I think, I think next it's week. all back next week.
1: So Uh, we'll see. We still get a little bit of a smorgasbord.
0: Yes. We get to do whatever we want. Uh, Talk about whatever we want. As
1: this texter says, I want to cry from happiness. You guys are finally talking all sports. Look, as long as if we're not on a show that
0: has Canucks (laughs) in the title.
1: (laughs) Our show is literally called Canucks Central. And for Jamie and Thomas, it is Canucks Talk. So you can expect
0: that we will talk
2: mostly Canucks. Canucks is talk and central of the discussion. What do you want
0: me to do? (laughs) Uh it is fun though. It is it fun is. to uh, stretch your wigs a little bit. Um but not Canucks talk directly, but there was some interesting news around the NHL today. The Ottawa Senators going aggressive again on a young player. Uh they signed defenseman Jake Sanderson to an 8-year, 64.4 million dollar extension. Not quite a million dollars for every game he's played in the NHL so far, but not too far off. Rookie season last year, played 77 games with the Ottawa Senators. He gets the big, big time, eight-year, 64000000 uh dollar contract. And it's one of those things where you see the number, right, and you think, wait, Jake Sanderson is making $8 million? He played 77 games. What are they doing there? Yep. And then you start to think about it a little bit more. And we're just we're in this era. Like we saw it with what were the reactions on the day Jack Hughes signed his extension, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, boy, I don't know about that. What do people say about that contract now? best contract in the league, yep. right? Now, I don't, I'm don't. i not saying Jake Sanderson is going to be Jack Hughes, but the Canucks, or not the Canucks, the Senators just pulled this off of Tim Stutzla last offseason. Yep. Maybe a little aggressive, and then boom, he has a breakout offensive year, and again, you're thinking, okay, this could be an incredible value deal. They are betting on the upside here for Jake Sanderson, and look, this one maybe feels a little bit riskier than those other two I just mentioned, just because I think with Stutzla and Hughes, the questions about the offensive production were not there, really. Like, you're like, okay, these guys, they're going to be able to score in the NHL. With a defenseman, you know, there's always a little bit more uncertainty. But I also look at Jake Sanderson, 32 points in those 77 games last year. Yeah, You read all the reports, you watch him play, the defensive acumen for a 21-year-old. He was 20 last year. He's 21 now. NHL rookie defenseman, very, very impressive. What's like the worst case scenario at this point or one of the worst case scenarios for Jake Sanderson's career He tops out as a kind of three, four guy, you know, good mobility, yep. decent puck skills, good defensively, not a star puck mover, kind of a three, four. Well, in a couple of years, what do you think a three, four is going to be making in UFA? Six million, six and a half million, seven yeah, the million. Cap
1: is uh, close to a hundred million bucks at the ceiling.
0: So that's what this is, right? It's like even if he doesn't quite reach his potential, he's not going to be particularly overplayed. Plus, the cap is going to go up. And when you look at it from that perspective, I completely get what the what the senators are thinking here. It's uh, a year ahead of his rookie
1: contract, his entry level. Expiring, so mm-hmm. he's still got one year left on his e l c and they've decided let's just do it we're, we're yep. confident enough we see a guy who's played seventy seven games and we're ready to give him the bag and especially because hey we're in Ottawa, so maybe we have mm-hmm. to do things differently than some other teams so they've they've gone about doing it this way now they've got two eight million dollar defensemen in Thomas Shabbat and Jake Sanderson, both are pretty damn good you know Shabbat I don't know if Shabbat has Maybe developed into the Norris Trophy winning defenseman that people thought he might be after seeing him in his first couple of years, yep. but still a pretty damn good defenseman. I think it helps that the team is getting better these last uh, in this last year and a bit. Jake Sanderson, every time I watched him
0: last year, I was thoroughly impressed. And Shabbat's a, a really interesting comparison because similar thing, right, where they went long, gave him $8 yeah. million dollars after some really promising years. And as you said, development has plateaued a little bit, maybe hasn't reached that star level. But he's still a good player. And does anyone, you know, if you're talking like worst contracts in the NHL, are you talking about Thomas Chabot? Absolutely no. not. You're yeah. absolutely not right. So like even in that situation, you're just where, not getting huge surplus value. No, but even in that situation where the development wasn't perfect after he signed the contract, you still feel all right about the deal. And I think yeah. that that's that's what I'm talking about here is even in the downside scenarios, you're probably not going to hate this deal for Jake Sanderson. Uh, you see the talent well and clear
2: already, even with uh, with Jake Sanderson. How is it any different from what New Jersey did? Maybe not quite to the extent, but locking up their U25 core. 100%. For seven or eight years. I mean, New Jersey is ahead of the curve of where Ottawa is at this point in time, but it's very, very similar. Well, I think we're learning now. And you look at it, we always talk about
0: the lessons that players are taking from Matthew Kachuk and Pierre Luc Dubois, right? How that applies to Elias Pettersson. Yeah. I think teams are looking at it and saying. What if we just avoid this headache for as long as we can? As you said, they're jumping the gun. He still has a year left on his rookie deal. They're basically getting nine years of stress-free service, of certainty. Not just cost certainty, but like total certainty. Not, oh, is he going to ask out? Oh, Are we going to have to do a bridge? Is he going to take his qualifying offer? No, he's under contract. And I think that certainty is... And you look at how Ottawa has approached this, how New Jersey has approached it as well. But now Ottawa has Tim Stutzla, long-term cost certainty. Brady Kachuk, long-term certainty. Thomas Shabbat, long-term certainty. Sanderson, Josh Norris. Like, mm-hmm. they've got a core of guys where you know exactly how much they're going to cost for a long time. And you can do some real planning around that.
2: Now, and it gives you flexibility to have a little hit or miss on the fringest pieces. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and... The other part of
1: it, it sets your internal cap, right? Yep. And I think that's maybe the biggest benefit for Ottawa. Nobody's going to sign for more than Tim Stutzla in Ottawa right now. Right? He's <laughs> at 835, and you can pretty much bet you're not going to see anybody really push to sign for more than that. New Jersey and Eddie's example, same sort of thing. Yeah, they just signed um, Timo Meyer to eight eight but nobody wants to sign for a a lot more than Jack Hughes. Nobody wants to sign for more than Dougie Hamilton. They're going to keep everybody under 9 million there. It it goes back to the old Boston model where nobody wanted to be a lot more expensive than the guy who's demanding more
0: than Bergeron. right? Like
1: nobody wants to be that guy. And eventually it happened, but it took a long time and their cap situation was one of the best in the league for a long period because of that. And this is the biggest benefit. Now, obviously, you have to hit. But some of these players, the talent is, is undeniable. And they've created a culture of lock it in because we, we want to keep this core around. And uh, that's something that maybe uh, the Canucks could have
0: uh, done. Would have, would have been nice. Earlier. <laughs> but you think about from the Senators' perspective. And I still have questions about how they fill out the rest of the roster and fill out those depth pieces. I don't think they're a playoff team still. But, so. you know, in a couple of years... <laughs> They're going to have, you know, what, what when the cap is, what, $95 million or whatever it's going to be. And Tim yeah. Stuchel is still going to be their highest paid player at $8.3 million at 23 years old and, you know, threatening 100 points a year. That's an incredible position to be in. That's okay. a really strong position to be in.
1: Would you rather have Ottawa's roster or Buffalo? I'd rather have Buffalo's roster.
0: Same. So yeah, I am And I,
1: Ottawa's locked into this team now, right? So, like, yeah, like, I like the theory behind it, but...
2: Right? But it's the high-end power and Dolly in one-two punch on defense. Yes, I'll take that over. Uh, and this is Chabot. and Buffalo has more coming. That's the that's right. the,
0: the the if Ottawa still had you know the next wave of talent coming, and you say okay, we've got the guys we're locked into, and then we're going to integrate this young talent, and maybe we'll be a little bit more judicious with how we pay them, get some of those cheap bridge deals as well. Then I think you'd be really be looking at okay, they can take that next jump. The question for Ottawa is going to be. They still probably need a piece or two. Where do they find it? It feels like they're going to have to win a trade here. You know what I mean? Win a trade, hit it on an unexpected prospect, something like that. Well, and that was the the Chickren trade that they made last year,
1: right? So they're trying to build out as good a top four as you can have in the NHL. Uh, That was their other big swing, the Chickren trade. I just I still don't see it, right? And now they don't have a ton of assets. I guess they they they've got Detroit's first rounder, so they've they've got a an extra first round pick in hand to maybe go out and make another move, but they're capped out. So it's going to be an interesting process to see how they add to the group that they've already created. You
2: talk about winning a trade for Ottawa. Say in 2 or 3 years time, do they maybe use one of these long-term deals that they have as a trade asset just to get what they need to get over the top. I think that's a situation where
0: you see how the team develops and Uh, what might be surplus. You know what I mean? Okay, this guy not quite develop, or maybe his value is higher than we thought it would be, and you can explore that because the hope is none of these, and I don't think any of them are, going to end up being anchors. You know, they're not going to end
2: up being the contracts. You're like, oh, man, how are we going to move this? And you're possibly sending some pretty good value one way in order to get good value to fill a need the other way. Yeah, for sure.
0: The, uh, the best
1: players, they still, like, they've got one, I guess, top prospect still coming in Ridley Gregg, uh, who a lot of people like, Lassie Thompson. They, they don't have, like, this great amount of prospects still yeah. coming that they can deal from to go out and acquire somebody. Plus, they're capped out. So you're kind of looking at this as the team. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, I think. Um, As much as I I will applaud Pierre Dorian for the work he's done on some of these contracts, I think he did a similar thing to Jim Benning in that he started pushing his chips into the middle of the table a little too soon for my liking. And now it's like, okay, this is the team we have, and we better hope that it's good enough.
0: Um, This text comes in. Kuzmenko is a better talent than anyone in Ottawa. Yeah. Tell me you didn't watch Tim Stutzla last yeah, year. Tell without me telling me you didn't watch Tim Stutzla. Look, I, and or I, even I, Kachuk. I, yeah.
1: I feel like I'm a little lukewarm on, on Stutzla to compared to some other people, but he's still uh I mean, what, he had ninety points He had, had a, mon- yeah, last he had year a he monster, unreal.
2: monster season. If and when year. Ottawa makes the playoffs, he's gonna do the exact same thing Matthew Kachuk did last year for Florida. Yeah.
1: Brady Kachuk is I, I almost feel like Brady Kachuk is underrated because we haven't seen him in the playoffs yet.
0: Um, last thing on Ottawa is just, and you know, this is not breaking news, but you see Jake Sanderson sign the, the deal for Sanders over $8 million. Yeah, You see the deal and you think, man, it's nice to have Quinn Hughes under $8 million for the next four seasons. Yes. So there's going to be three years where Jake Sanderson is making more than Quinn Hughes at the NHL level. And it just reinforces like, this is the Canucks' time to yeah. shine. You've got incredible surplus value on Quinn Hughes. When you see the deals that are going elsewhere uh, to the f- defensemen in the NHL, can they make it happen? Can they can they make it count that they're getting that surplus value? Is the question uh, that comes to mind? And ultimately,
1: for me. Um, you know, you wanted Elias Patterson to sign eight years out of his entry level. Yep. The thing about letting like, do the, there's two things with the bridge, like if you're bridging certain players like an Elias Patterson you know you already know their talent you already know they're good enough so you're bridging and you're saying well we're locking this player in for a this number right now but we know it's going to cost us a hell of a lot more by the time the end of this bridge comes but also you allow that player to Start to see free agency a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely, you know that's that's what they, we're talking about right now they with can Peterson. See that at the end of the tunnel, they can see that their way out. If the situation isn't perfect, whereas when you're just coming out of your entry level, you get eighty eighty million dollars plopped on your table. You're like, okay, like, mm-hmm.
2: guess I'm not saying no to this. And that's where the cap problems from two or three years ago come to yep. yeah.
0: Uh, And I think even the unwillingness to get ahead of it because they didn't really start talking to Pedersen about extension until like he was an RFA, right? This is a year ahead. Then that's what we're seeing. Jack Hughes, it was a year ahead, right? As soon as they're eligible to sign it, they still have a year left on their ELC. Be aggressive. Go try to get it done. And that speaks to more of what you're saying when 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 the thought of being a UFA is still so far down the road that doesn't hold a lot of weight. Uh, for the players. You're
1: you're not buying a ton of UFA years out either for for the players. Um, It it is a baseball model in a way in that um, uh, we've seen the the Tampa Bay Rays are probably the best example of doing this where, okay, we have an undeniable young talent. Let's just give them a bunch of money right now. Even if it's a hundred million dollar contract, it's going to be an incredible discount compared to what that player might make. Uh, through the course of their career as they get closer to free agency.
0: Final few minutes here, Sportsnet Today, Sportsnet 650, Jamie Dodd, Dan Riccio. I did want to talk a little bit about, uh, really, I mean, one of the biggest stories in sports happening, certainly in this country right now, which is that Canada basketball just keeps winning At uh, at the FIBA World Cup at ungodly
1: times of the day,
0: they beat Luka Doncic and uh, and Slovenia uh, the other day. And again, you know Dylan Brooks waiting in the hall after getting ejected from the game with the boxing gloves. Yeah, (laughs) but that was perfect, Dylan Brooks. Like I might get ejected, but I'm going to make sure Luka Doncic (laughs) is going too. I'm going to make sure he's out of the game as well. Guess what? We'll take that trade every day of the week. Uh, Sets up a semifinal matchup. Yeah, they're in the medal round now against Serbia. 1 45 a.m., slightly unfortunate uh, for us here on the West Coast and really for I don't the I not if you're Coast taking a well. nap
1: after Thursday night football tonight and uh, waking <laughs> back up, or you're just going to PVR it. But, yeah,
0: no, that'll be a big PVR yeah. uh, for me. But, you know, look, they're not just in the medal round. They're the favorites in this game, and Serbia will be a tough matchup. Serbia is going to be like the quintessential FIBA team where everyone is tough to play against. Everyone is super locked in, you know, great fundamental basketball, all of that. But they don't have the star talent. You know, Nikola Jokic isn't there. He's, he's taking the summer off just like Jamal Murray is. They don't have the star talent that Canada does in the form of SGA. There's a real possibility. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but there's a real possibility that we're talking about a Canada versus USA final at the World Cup of Basketball this weekend, Reach We should be. Uh, honestly, there's no excuses.
1: You got the monkey off your back. They played like it against yep. Slovenia. Yeah. Uh, Yesterday, and you kind of look at this and say, well, Canada should win this, and they should be facing the U.S. in the final. The U.S. should beat Germany, and we should view Canada in that same light, especially with the way Shea Gilgis Alexander is playing right now. There isn't too much question that this Canadian team should get into this final, and with the roster that the U.S. has, not nearly as good a roster as they could possibly put out there, you know, it should be a good final. And I think I can't view anything other than a win being my expectation for
0: Canada against Serbia coming matchup. Yeah, Yeah, against against Serbia. Serbia. Yeah, against the U.S. It's still as much as you can say like, oh, it's the C team or whatever. There's still some really, really good NBA players on that USA basketball team. So that would be, if it happens, that would be a really tough matchup. But yeah, they they are the favorite. They should be the favorite. They should win against Serbia. As tough a matchup uh, as it's going to be, it is going to be interesting to see. What kind of attention, what kind of reaction that gets from more casual sports fans here? You know, we talked to Jay Triano, and he was mentioning how, what a big deal the World Cup is uh, in Europe and in other places around the world. Not so much for it's the weird, USA man. or it's Canada. It's a freaking
1: World Cup, and it just feels like it's not really so much on them. Maybe that but, has I mean, to do with the time of day and, yeah, you know, how if, many people are waking up at one forty-five this morning on the West Coast. Even 4.45 if you're in... Yeah, it's not, uh, no,
0: it's, it's a bad time everywhere. Yeah, it's bad Absolutely time everywhere. everywhere. but. If you do have a USA Canada matchup, like mm-hmm. that's easy. You don't even have to be a basketball fan. Nope. Right. That's just easy to get excited for, no matter what. Not just a USA Canada matchup, but for a World Cup title. You might have never heard of the feeble World Cup <laughs> before that, but you're going to be on board of that. You know what I mean? You're going to be excited. The other thing that I'm thinking about, and we'll see, and it's going to depend on how they finish here, but Shea Gilgis Alexander, is he the prohibitive or just the front runner at all for the Lou Marsh at this point, for Canada's top athlete of the year, given the performance he's having in team can first of all, the performance he had for OKC in the season, yeah. but now wearing the maple leaf representing his country, what he's doing on this stage, Uh
1: non-Olympic
0: year. So yep.
1: generally that helps uh, players in professional sports. Um, the only other argument I think, I mean, look, there's a few, and I'm going to overlook some by just thinking about this off the top of my head. But you know, Conor McDavid, Conor McDavid is getting is, close to 150 yeah. points last year was was pretty damn impressive. But you win a World Cup for Canada, and you are clearly the MVP of the team and probably of the tournament. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to deny that player's uh, accomplishments, especially when you add it to everything that he did during the course of the NBA season. All due respect to Jamal Murray and winning an NBA title, but the best Canadian basketball player right now. Is Shea gilgus Alexander, yep. and he is making that point every time he touches the court for Canada right now.
0: Yeah, and again, it's it's not it's not as if he is a role player in the NBA who is you know popping off and having the tournament his of first his first team life. all the B- NBA, his first team all NBA. He's an incredible player, like an incredible player. And I think you're right. I mean, I think Connor McDavid's exploits. He had 153 points last year. That's yep. outrageous. So, like, that would be a totally fine winner. But if SGA pulls this off, you couple what he did in the NBA doing it for Team Canada, I think it's going to be very very hard to deny him that that title. I think really he's established himself as you know, whether he wins Lou Marsh or not, one of the best non hockey Canadian athletes on the world stage. Male, female, whatever sport you want to talk about.
1: Yeah. Basketball, Phil, as a country, uh, it wasn't covered. There's was one Canadian reporter covering it live in the Philippines. That is ridiculous. That's uh, Arash Madani Sportsnet. We are yes. the uh, rights holder for this tournament. And, um, you know, basketball, Phil, I, I mean, I, I agree with you, but um, I sort of lament just how. The media landscape has changed, and there's certainly less of an appetite to send reporters and people to cover events around the globe and avoid travel when you can. Uh, And that really hasn't recovered after the pandemic. And I hope to see that it does in the future because this is a – it's a massive event, and Canada was one of the favorites going in, and it hasn't been covered in the way that we should expect
0: it to be covered given Canada was a favorite. I will say I agree. I completely agree. Arash is doing great work. Oh Right. Is. So like, oh. but he's also he's one guy. He's There's one guy. only so much that one oh, guy like, can do. One guy and a cameraman can do when CBC? he's down there. Where CBC?
1: Where is you know like there should be other reporters there? There would be for a soccer World Cup. Why isn't there for a basketball World Cup?
0: Uh, we will see if Canada can do the job against Serbia. One forty five. This morning uh, or tomorrow morning, I guess, tonight, late tonight, uh, we'll have the recap, the breakdown, look ahead to a potential gold medal matchup with the USA tomorrow. We're on from 12 to 2. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Sportsnet today here on Sportsnet 650.